When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone and welcome into the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you as always by our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. I'm Lindsay Smith and today I'm joined by Gerald Borgay. Gerald, it's just the two of us, but I think it'll still be a very entertaining and in um, informational podcast today, too. Yeah, I think so. I um, obviously know Saul and Espo today, unfortunately, but we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun talking about Frank Kaminsky and then diving into a new G-rated segment for the first time in a while. I know it has been a while and I feel like I always love it. It always it seems to be a good hit when it's just the two of us doing a G-rated segment. So hopefully it'll... Uh, the track record will continue here on this podcast today. <laughs> so as you mentioned, we are going to talk a lot about Frank Kaminsky today because last night in the Phoenix Suns, 119 to 109 win over the Trailblazers, Frank Kaminsky was the king of the game. He had a career high 31 points. He also added in seven rebounds and a block. And just from start to finish, this was a great game for Frank Kaminsky and we went to the Kaminsky Cove last night in the post game show. Sun's Twitter was loving it. It was it. It's been a really fun few games for Frank Kaminsky just to see what he's been able to accomplish. It has, and, and I feel like that was one of the big things that stood out to me is not just like how well Frank is playing right now and how much fun everyone involved seems to be having, like watching him play, but just the kind of journey that he's been on with the Suns over the last two years. Um, like he, this is a guy that was nearly out of the league just a few years ago. His future has been uncertain in Phoenix the last two off seasons and for him to just continually stay ready and then answer the bell when his numbers called with, with Deandre Ayton being out obviously with the lower leg contusion, like, the way that he stepped up has been really impressive. Um, and I think we actually have a mm -hmm. clip of, of Frank from last night that kind of stood out to me just how emotional he got. Yeah. You know, this past couple off seasons, free agencies have been tough. Um, there's no mistake about it. I mean, I was within a threat of not being on a team two years ago. Um, Sacramento waved me. Um, you know, I got a call from Phoenix that said, we're going to claim you on waivers. We're going to bring you back, which, you know, for me was everything. Um, I never wanted to leave in the first place. It's just, it was a weird free agency. I was coming off an injury, um, didn't play well in the bubble, didn't know what was going to happen. So um, I just told myself last year, make the most of the opportunity. When your number's called, be ready every single time. And this offseason um, kind of felt the same situation. Um, not a lot of teams wanted me. You know, you hear a lot of things about yourself that are hard to swallow. Um, and, you know, I've fallen into the trap before of thinking that I have to prove everyone else wrong instead of proving myself right. And that's a big thing for me this year is just I want to be who I think that I am and just go out there and prove it to myself, not let anyone else 
dictate, you know, what's going to happen with me. You know, my career and my life is in my hands and I want to make the most of it. In that conversation with coach, you know, it kind of changed my approach to a lot of things. Um, he was, he was truthful. He was honest. He told me, you know, how much he appreciates me and how much he believes in me. And that's all I was looking for. So that's why I had the opportunity to go somewhere else and I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay right here because this is where I feel the best. And, and it's all, it's all about feeling and being comfortable and knowing what to expect every single day. And that's a big thing. There's so much that we can unpack with that soundbite with Frank. Um, first and foremost, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was the way that he said, I wanted to stop proving other people wrong and start proving myself right. Mm. Man, if that is not a <laughs> message that so many of us can like embrace yeah. and, and implement into our own lives. Oh my goodness. Like that's a huge mindset shift. It's mm. a huge mindset shift. And a lot of times I think, in sports, we talk about players playing with a chip on their shoulder, wanting to prove people wrong. But sometimes that's not the best approach. Obviously, in this situation right now with Frank, it wasn't. Right. And and that's the thing is like people forget this. But like these guys, you know, we remember that he was waived by the Sacramento Kings. But when you're a fan, you don't often think about like what that has to do to a player's psyche. Like he wasn't being coveted by a lot of teams around the league. He was playing on minimum contracts. Like he got waived by a Sacramento Kings team that has been garbage for a long time, for a decade or two now. Um, so the fact that he has that mindset is really um, encouraging, not just encouraging, but kind of inspiring as far as like this is a guy who was an absolute stud in college. Like at Wisconsin, he was the shit. And mm -hmm. like, I know U of A fans probably you having PTSD very well. <laughs> flashbacks right now to the lead eight. Our producers giving me a, set, a frowny face right now. But, sorry, Leah. Sorry, Leah. But like, he was an absolute phenomenon at Wisconsin. And watching the game last night um, against the Blazers, he was the best player or at least the most impactful player on a court that included Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and CJ McCollum. Mm -hmm. It felt like throwing it back to Wisconsin. So for this guy to, you know, be this, this phenomenon in college, be drafted in the lottery, come into the NBA and really not stick anywhere and, and now have these last two weeks after having to adjust his mentality. And like you were saying, you know, wanting to prove himself right that like yes i am still that player i am i have worked on these things in my game like that's that's really cool to me yeah and then in addition to that you can hear in that soundbite the emotion mm -hmm. uh behind those words that he was saying it's very obvious that he meant every single word that he said last night mm -hmm. and i love when athletes can share that kind of emotional side of their journeys throughout this career that they've chosen because it is tough. Mm -hmm. It is really hard. It's, it's hard to put yourself into the shoes of somebody who was waived mm -hmm. by the Sacramento Kings at one point in time. And then, like you said, didn't have many people coming and looking or interested in picking him up or mm -hmm. bringing him into their team. And I appreciate how he spoke about Monty Williams there as well, because we've talked about Monty like <laughs> ad nauseum, <laughs> exactly like, over and over and over and over again, but we're going to do it again. Yeah. Because why not? Monty has created this culture and this environment where, you know, it's 
it's so neat to see players talk about how much his coaching abilities and just his the way that he approaches people as human beings has made an impact in their lives, whether they've been with him for a handful of years or three months, Mm -hmm. the impact is already happening so quickly. And it's cool to see because Frank is in the later part of his career, right? Right. He's not a young player. He, you can tell, obviously he said it and then you can tell he lost a lot of confidence in himself. Mm -hmm. And I love that Monty is helping him find that again. Yeah, it's 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 very neat because, like he said, like you hear some things about yourself that you don't want don't want to hear. And who among us has not gotten criticism and been like, "Ow, that hurt," or right. or just completely rejected it, let alone internalized it? Mm-hmm. So, the the Monty thing is impressive to me because Monty, when he was when we talked to him about it, he mentioned. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I told him you need to do what's best for you and for your career and for your family. And that might not be the same thing as what's best for us, because what's best for us is obviously bringing you back and having you as kind of like this third string big. Um, but when we talked to Frank, he was talking about how, you know, that conversation with Monty, Monty told him, you know, that he believed in him and that he thought he was good. And that's what he took away from it. And he realized that Phoenix was where he wanted to be. You know, he mentioned in the clip that he Mm -hmm. had an offer elsewhere. Obviously, they weren't pouring in. Um, But I feel like, but Monty said, like, he felt like he could have done better than a veteran minimum contract on the Suns. So he was shocked that they were able to bring him back. And and that kind of speaks volumes as to, you know, it's not always about the money, right? Right. It's it's about the culture. It's about want to be happy yes. when you go to work. <laughs> yes. You want to feel like you can not just be happy, but do your best work. Yeah. And it's cool to hear him <laughs> say that Phoenix as a third string backup behind DeAndre Ayton on a team that brought in JaVale McGee over the summer. He thought, no, this is still where I can do my best work. Mm-hmm. And now it's really cool to see it materializing. Basketball wise, they're doing something right over there. Yes. I'll give them that. <laughs> uh, before we move on, the one last thing that I wanted to bring up on this soundbite is you tweeted it out last night. Mm. <laughs> and my favorite thing is seeing people um, from U of A say, all of us U of A fans are begrudgingly cheering for <laughs> Frank now. And they're yes. like the crying emojis and then the heart emojis. It's like, we don't want to, but we can't <laughs> help it because. How can you not jump on this train to Kaminsky Cove? <laughs> exactly. And it's that's the thing, too, is like it's not just like hearing him speak and, and get emotional about what he's doing, but like even just strictly from a basketball perspective, like what he's doing with DeAndre Ayton out is impressive because it wasn't that long ago the Suns were one in three. We were inching towards the panic button. And you know, then DeAndre Ayton has this lower leg contusion and you're thinking, oh, God, oh God the sky is go. actually yeah. falling now. <laughs> and then lo and behold, the savior, Frank Kaminsky, steps in. And since then, like, you know, they're on a six game win streak. I think he's played big minutes in four of the last yeah. five when Ayton sat out. Um, but in those four games, he's averaging 18.5 points and 5.3 rebounds per game. Um, he shot 62 percent from the floor and 42 percent from three. Um, and in 47 games last year, he hit double figures only 10 times. He's already reached that four times in six appearances this year. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's the career night. There's all of that stuff. But like the Suns offensive rating has been a lot better over this last five game stretch where he's played decent minutes. Um, and, and that's something that I feel like we can talk about because 
I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to say Frank Kaminsky's the new starter. He, you know, right. he's the new Max Center in town. But, but the question is, what, what does the future of this season look like for Frank Kaminsky? And mm-hmm. so before we get into that, mm-hmm. let's hear what Monty had to say about that topic last night. I think we, we have to try to find a way for him to be on the floor, even when we get DA back. And the cool part is JaVale's playing well. And so you have, you know, three bigs that you can play. It may make us fresher um, to cut DA's minutes some so he doesn't have to play 35 to 36. You know, maybe he plays 27, 28, and then we can try to split up the other minutes. So I have to look at that and see if it fits. But I, he has made it really hard on us. So, yeah, Monty Williams basically saying they're going to try and find some more minutes for Frank Kaminsky. Mm -hmm. What exactly that looks like is still up in the air, but Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that initially? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because like I've been saying for the last few weeks now, quietly, so that I don't piss off too many DeAndre Ayton fans, (laughs) is that like Frank Kaminsky can teach DeAndre Aiden a thing or two. Like we, we've talked all about, you know, JaVale McGee, he's this three-time champion. He's got all this experience. There's so much DeAndre Aiden can learn from him because they're similar players. I feel like DeAndre Aiden does a lot of what JaVale McGee does, only better. What he could improve on is a lot of the stuff that Frank Kaminsky does. That maybe isn't in DeAndre's bag just yet. Right. And it, and it's it's not even anything complicated or to say that DeAndre Aiden's like, he doesn't have a high basketball IQ or he's not good, but like Kaminsky's ability to put the ball on the floor in that short roll in the pick and roll. Like Chris Paul said the other night, Kaminsky is a point guard's dream because when he throws that pocket pass, when those two guys are on him in the pick and roll, Kaminsky knows how to capitalize on kind of those four on three advantages. Like he knows how to put the ball on the floor and close the distance between defenders. He knows how to step out and hit the three if they're sagging off him. He knows how to find guys on the perimeter. Like he has that skill set to where he can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. And out of the pick and roll, that's a huge thing to have. So, you know, we've seen DeAndre Ayton take a few more threes, but we still want to see him put the ball on the floor more confidently, develop a move where he can get to the basket and, you know, throw some passes that aren't two-handed overhead, you know, bullets all the time. So I think that Monty likes the way that the offense has been playing with Kaminsky out there. And so it's one of the things where, yeah, he has to make time for this guy to play minutes. As far as what that looks like, it's tough because DeAndre Ayton, you want him playing 32, 36 minutes a night. But JaVale McGee's only best in like five-minute spurts. Like we've seen this when you play him longer than five minutes, you're kind of inviting trouble a little bit um, because he does have some tendencies that will he'll make mistakes um, he's a per 36 minutes God, but that also applies to turnovers and fouls with JaVale McGee, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's one of those things where if they can take a couple of minutes off Aiton's total, maybe save him for the postseason more. If they can limit JaVale McGee to five minute spurts, maybe we see Kaminsky playing like 10 minutes a night where he has the chance to um, add that different connector skill set to the five spot. Do you like the potential of that idea? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think he's played too well to not give him minutes. And it's one of those things where, you know, maybe even try him at the four. I don't care for him as a four. I think he's better as a five. Um, but obviously, like, you're going to try and find minutes for him however you can. He's played too well mm-hmm. over these last couple of weeks to not 
get minutes moving forward. Right. So he's he's showed us what he's able to bring and the differences that he's been working on within his game and and kind of how it has helped this team. So why not? Right. At the very least, why not mm-hmm. try to see how sustainable this is and then pivot if it doesn't pan out the way that we all think it will. Right. And we've seen Monty. Well, at least. Yeah. And, and we've seen Monty tinker around with lineups last year during the regular season. And that was during a 72 game season. So he has extra time this year to tinker a little bit, um, figure out a working rotation that might translate to the playoffs. Obviously, rotation shorten a lot come mm-hmm. playoff time. But Kaminsky has done a tremendous job. He's worked really hard over the summer. That's the thing we should mention, too, is it's not just his offense and what he brings to the table there, you know, the high-scoring nights or whatever in four of the last five games. But defensively, he hasn't been a liability like he's been in the past. You know, like he's not this this elite rim protector, but he is a guy that will, you know, stay in front of Jonas Valanciunas, who's having a great season. Um you know, battle with Yusuf Nurkic in the post, who is just an absolute beast as he's a well. Big dude. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> these are big, like brawny dudes that right. he's going toe to toe with in the post. And he does look a little bit bigger this season, Kaminsky. Um, but he worked really hard on his lateral quickness over the summer, which is huge for a big guy mm-hmm. staying on the court defensively. You know, Monty mentioned that it's not just the big guys either, like he's been switched onto some smaller guards. And normally they'd have the advantage, but his body positioning has been better in being able to stay in front of some of those guys. So, you know, Frank Kaminsky, we're not going to praise him as some elite defender or anything like that. But he's been a lot better, and it's allowed the Suns to keep him on the floor or play him upwards of 25 to 30 minutes a night over the stretch. Mm -hmm. So, And I also think one of the other things that I'll point out to kind of wrap this up, unless you have something else you mm want to add, is just – Coach Monty and a lot of the people around this organization have been talking about Frank's attitude mm-hmm. it, throughout this whole two-year whatever span of uncertainty for him, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing that they're talking about is his attitude, the way he approaches these situations, the way that he is looking at how he can get better and putting in the work. It's not like a frustration, man, I just wish I could get more minutes, like, I'm just going to do this to show them that I'm working or none of that. It's just straight up like I'm grateful for the opportunities. I know that in this space, if I work really hard and try to adjust pieces of my game, that I might get an opportunity every once in a while and that, you know, I have to be ready in case of an injury. And he's really taken advantage of that. And I think that attitude um, kind of approach that he's bringing could also be beneficial. Excuse me in helping DeAndre learn from him, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you have somebody that you can learn from, but is not exactly, right? Like we're not going to call Frank Kaminsky a superstar, okay? (laughs) We can potentially say DeAndre Ayton can be a superstar. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times in every aspect of life, right? You're like, why am I going to try and learn from somebody whom I'm already better at? Mm -hmm. But that's a terrible approach to take Mm -hmm. because you can always learn from anybody, really. Mm -hmm. Like there's something that everyone can teach you no matter how great you are at your craft. And knowing that Frank's attitude has been a very positive one, I think can make that a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just not cause any friction there because you know Frank's not going to approach it like, hey, I'm better <laughs> at you in this area, so let me mm-hmm. teach you. It's more just, hey, what else can we add to your bag too to make you even better, you know? Right, and and I think Frank is not the type of guy that would ever go offering advice to someone else. I think he's very 
cognizant of his place in the league and the fact that he is he feels fortunate he feels fortunate to be here but he's put in the work to be totally. here as well yeah we don't want to discredit yeah that. yeah but the thing is like it's one of those things where you hope deandre ayton is paying attention to what he's been doing in the pocket how the ball has been moving out of all the pick and rolls the suns have been running lately because you know we we it sounds like we're discrediting Aiton, but Aiton is already an elite pick and roll big. When he dives hard, when he crashes the rim, he has this gravity that Frank Kaminsky will never have. Mm-hmm. Um, even JaVale McGee doesn't have that same type of gravity. So DeAndre Aiton is already elite in that sense. But if he can add to his bag, he's going to be unstoppable. Suns pick and rolls are going to be unstoppable. So this is more about what a 22-year-old can continue to build on and yes, it sounds weird to say he could learn from Frank Kaminsky because Kaminsky will never have the same athleticism, no. above the rim presence, um, diving gravity, all that stuff that we're talking about. But Aiton could be even better. And mm-hmm. if he just takes one or two things from Kaminsky's bag and builds upon it because the Suns like the way the ball has been moving, that's going to make them even more dangerous moving forward. Well, and the other thing is, is like, Frank is there. Mm -hmm. Why not take advantage (laughs) of having him on your team? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not like you have to go out of your way to seek out this information or to work on these things with somebody like Mm -hmm. he's, he's already there. It's, it's there for your taking. Right. And, and, you know, small sample size alert here because it's only been 10 games, but before last night, Frank Kaminsky was in the 93rd percentile in pick and rolls among all players in the league. Um, as far as his efficiency and what he's able to do in those pick and roll situations as a role man. So I think it dropped to like 82% because, you know, of last night and he was doing a lot more out of the pick and roll. But, you know, like that's pretty impressive for a guy that a couple of weeks ago was a third stringer who barely played at all. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break because I got to tell all you hoopers out there, about the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So if you are ready to net some free bets, right now you can bet on any NBA game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And new customers, when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you use the code PHNX, after you place a $1 bet on either NBA team to score you can win $100 in free bets instantly. So when your team scores, you score. Now, the DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app for a reason. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's, It's a really fun app if you're just getting into sports betting, if you are a full-blown professional at sports betting, regardless of your level of experience, the DraftKings Sportsbook app is super fun. So be sure to download it. Use the code PHNX when you sign up, because if you use that code after you place just a $1 bet on any NBA team to score, which let's be honest, they're going (laughs) to score. So it's basically a no brainer bet to make. You can win $100 in free bets instantly. If your team scores, you score with the promo code PHNX this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, disclaimer, Mm -hmm. that is 21 and older only, Arizona only. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. This is for new customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have you made any bets recently, Gerald? 
Not not any recently, but you should have put money on last night's game because you hit the <laughs> nail on the head with your pick. I did. I really did. So the pregame show, we all give our picks. I had Suns by ten, and they won by ten. But you know, NBA media, I'm not allowed to bet on the Suns specifically. Mm, so I guess that does make sense. That's yeah. true. I, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing away a fortune. You right? are because you're so good at this. But I guess that means, hey, like for us over here mm-hmm. on the other side of things, maybe we should listen to you a little bit more. And like, I mean, if it wasn't Suns by 10, it would have been Blazers by 145. So you were I, right. There. You know, I was close. <laughs> I was very close with my pick. <laughs> no, I actually uh, on the pregame show. I know you weren't here because you were off doing your your duties down at the Footprint Center. I said Suns by seven. Okay. So I was close. I yeah. kind of tried to split the difference a little bit mm-hmm. between all of the picks of the PHNX Suns crew. I was close. You were right you there. You hit the nail on the head. So kudos to you for that. Um, once again, just uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that code PHNX when you sign up because you can win some free money. And who doesn't love free money? Am I right? You are right. All right, Jared. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> It caught me off guard because nobody ever tells me I'm right. No so thanks. Oh, I'm blushing. I got your back. <laughs> we are going to go into our final segment of the day, a G-rated segment. Yes. And today we are talking about Dune. Yes. So let me read you the description. If you have not heard of and or watched Dune, it's about a person named Paul And he is a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding. He must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent... I knew I was going to stumble over this word. (laughs) That word. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Mm-hmm. So I watched this on the plane ride home from my vacation yes. uh, this past weekend. I liked it. Yeah. And you're normally hard to please when it comes to movies, right? Like, yeah. Like because... it has to be good for you to like okay. commit. To be fair, I had no idea what this movie was about or what I was getting myself into. Okay. It was just there. And I was like, well, I'm on this plane for five hours. So <laughs> I'll watch it. I didn't even realize it was two and a half hours when I turned oh, yeah. it on. It's lengthy. And I'm a little bit upset because I feel like I got bamboozled because I didn't realize it was going to be a series of movies. And typically I'm very particular about the series of movies I watch because it's just so much commitment. Right. But I will watch two, three, however many more come out after this one. I will watch them because they did a good job of getting me hooked in this movie. They did. And I think that's the so this is based on a novel from, I think, 1965. Um, and they've tried to adapt it into a movie twice before this, and both times they just kind of screwed it up. So this third one, they, you know, obviously you see at the very beginning it says part one, so you know there's oh, going to be multiple. I must missed par- that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't that, paying attention. But apparently. that's the thing is like the the filmmaker <laughs> was really like gutsy by putting that out there because at the time they didn't have part two guaranteed. Oh really? Right? Like because you know Warner Brothers you know, with the whole HBO Max thing that they're doing and not doing things exclusively in theaters, they're not, they're missing out on some revenue there. Obviously, pandemic times kind of dictated that, but there was no guarantee that part two was even going to get approved. And then after the, I think opening weekend, the box office was really strong. So they felt good about 
you know, making sure that part two would be done. We probably won't see it for like three years, but see, that's the other thing that I have a hard time with on these yeah. kind of movies. Like, <laughs> like, uh, now I have to wait yeah. so long. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> but I guess that happens with like Netflix series and Hulu right. series and stuff too. I so that's it. the key to becoming a nerd, Lindsay, is you have to have multiple nerdy interests so that you can space them this out so that, okay. <laughs> to distract you from I'll the three year that. wait that we have to <laughs> that we have to wait for dune part two but no like i like you kind of went in relatively blind like i had never read the book i had never watched the first two movies that had come out before this um but i was really impressed with the world building that it does because it does it's kind of game of thrones like in that there are these different houses mm -hmm. even though you know it's set in outer space or these different planets or whatever but you have these different houses these different tribes or whatever and these conflicting interests um and i thought it does a good job of explaining the world that they're on like you know the sandworms just that whole scene with the ground shaking and the sand giving way like it really builds kind of the the mythos of this whole world that's been created um so it does a good job it is more of a slow burn but there it are is. some but there are some entertaining parts at least um, cause I kind of went in knowing I had, I knew that it was like only a part one and that there, the third act doesn't really get resolved. So I think for me that helped with my experience. I know you did not go into it knowing I that. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was real pissed. When I ended. <laughs> it was like a three minute period of time where I was like, are you kidding me right now? Well, especially if you didn't see the part one at I the beginning. I didn't see that because. You were probably like, what the fuck? Is that it? Yeah, I totally was because I don't know if I was like fiddling with snacks or something at that point in time, but I've definitely missed the very beginning part one or else I would have been like, hold on. I have questions yeah. before we start. This. Well, I feel like that's an appropriate way to go into it because you need to know that because like obviously a lot of interesting stuff happens and I think the character does go on a journey, but you know, the developmental arc of the character and a lot of different characters isn't complete halfway through a two-part yeah. movie. So is it only two? It's only going to be two, I think. Um, Dune 2 is going to be planned for release in October 2023. So not too Dang, long to wait. Long it is two years, but not as long. I Honestly, with that's the other thing we should talk about. Like the cinematography and the special effects you and the sound really with that. was insane. Mm -hmm. Like, did you watch it in a theater or was it on a plane? No, it was on a plane. It was on a plane. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I watched it in the theater and just the sound was incredible. Like with I the sandworm that. stuff, that was insane. Um, but I feel like just the special effects and the cinematography scene on the big screen was really cool. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of surprised that they're going to be able to turn around a part two in two years, just given all of the special effects and, and all of the kind of technical stuff that goes into it behind the scenes. You're so kind to be like, hey, if you guys need a little longer than two years, take it. I'm over here like, why isn't this done yet? So I'm, You couldn't simultaneously <laughs> shoot movie one and two? So I grew up with Star Wars, so I'm used to waiting three movies between each one or three years between each one. And then I had to wait, you know, like however long it was before they decided to do the sequels. So I'm kind of, like I said, if you're a nerd, you got to have multiple nerdy interests so that you, you can just fill kind the of space, fill the void. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to time it out, though, because you never actually know mm -hmm. what like not every series or movie stays on pace. 
right. with like season one, season two, or movie one, movie two. Sometimes it's a year apart. You know, each fall they're coming out with a new season. And then all of a sudden, plus the pandemic threw a wrench into everything. <laughs> and you're like, the things I knew were on schedule mm. are now who knows if we're even getting a final season or the next season or not. Right. Ah, it hurts my heart. Oh, I'm going to make tough. a cameo appearance. Is that okay? Oh, snap. Yeah. We got Saul What's in up, the house. <laughs> Welcome in. If, if you're listening on audio, then, uh, well, all of you are listening on audio. Uh, <laughs> you don't realize I've been sitting here for like 10 minutes watching, listening to you guys talk about Dune. And the tragedy that is Gerald Bourget having to wait between episode one and two and three of Star Wars two or three years apart, whereas I had to wait from episode six to one, like mm, oh, almost 20 years. I can't so. even imagine. Yeah, I guess I should take, <laughs> I should sad. say that with a grain of salt. <laughs> that would suck. Um, did you, did you watch Dune, Saul? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. I did see the original Dune though. Oh, did you? I did. What did you think of Dune. that? Because I heard that was not very, it got harsh reviews, at least by the people that love the, the source material. Yeah, um, because I don't know anything about the source material. Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't mind it. It was, kind of, it was a scarier movie for me back in the day. Like, okay. you know, that big giant centipede in the yeah. desert kind of thing. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, that's scary. Yeah. But, you know, I liked it. Okay. I mean, I would recommend checking out the new one if you like. It is kind of long, though. I don't know if you're <sighs> a guy that. No, can deal I, with a long, I like long I like movie. my one hour and thirty minute comedies. Yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not there for the long haul for the most part. I mean that's fair. That's I feel fair. you, but now I'm committed. I but, spent two and a half hours watching this movie, so I will spend two and a half to three, however long the next movie is watching that just to get closer. What's the worst movie experience you've ever had? Like in terms of a movie that you've mm. watched that you were like very either disappointed with the ending, or it just didn't live up to your hype. You know, um. I love Quentin Tarantino movies, mm. but what was the one that came out recently? His most recent Once one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was yes. garbage. I'm sorry. I, I saw like that it. in theaters and those movies. So like, you know, anytime you watch a Tarantino movie, mm -hmm. right? It's two, three hours, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like I will. And we obviously know I'm not a huge fan of committing that much time to movies. Mm. I will always commit that time to a Tarantino movie Same. because Same. traditionally his shit hits every time. Mm -hmm. So I went and watched that movie in the theaters and it wasn't, I won't say it was like full blown, like hot garbage or anything, mm -hmm. but it was not nearly what I was anticipating. And mm -hmm. I also was hoping for more, um, like there was no action until like the final 10 minutes of the movie, basically. Mm -hmm. And it was no. a two and a half hour long movie. Right. The best part was Leonardo DiCaprio with the acting scene and the scene in his trailer. Mm hmm. And then other than that, like nothing really notable happened until the last five to 10 minutes. Like yeah. it, was, it was just weird. I didn't like it. I was so disappointed with that because the, the cast was stacked. Right. It's Tarantino. You, like, you just your expectations are a lot higher than what was right. delivered. And, and it's cool material. Like they're doing something about Hollywood and whatnot. Like you think it's I, I hated that. movie. But it's, kind of, it's based on a true story. though. Yeah. Well, and that was the well, other thing is that <laughs> so I love of. learning about cults and true crime and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And then I was like, hold on. So <laughs> it's based on a true story to a certain point. It's kind sure, of like sure. Inglorious Bastards where. Mm -hmm. like at the very end he's like but what if like they just killed all of these nazis in a movie theater <laughs> it just blew like, up hitler and company yeah like movies. he takes yeah. the history dial and turns sure, it to sure, like this sure. would have been dope like i'm pretty sure they would have been dope like they <laughs> they blow torch they blow torch the manson family you know like the murderers that like didn't happen at all yeah and someone who definitely was supposed to die or did die in real it's life a, it's lived a, that's why it's based on a true right. story <laughs> <laughs> and that is the true story you know? <laughs> what about you gerald what's definitely your what's your what's your movie that you're like oh what the hell 
so it, I, it wasn't in a movie theater, but the cat in the hat with Mike Myers, I still don't oh, think yeah. I've seen something as terrible to this day. Same. I feel like I've seen that, but that I can't remember awful. it. Johnny Depp's version of uh, Willy Wonka was yeah. equally mm. as awful. Yeah. The movie that I always go to, and I was deployed when I watched this, and me and my counterpart um, were playing ping pong, and they had this movie on in the rec room. And you know how you have, you, there's a movie on, and you're not really paying attention to it, but you start watching key parts of it, and then you're like, you're hooked. And yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, I got to see. Mm. So it was about this kid whose mom left Mexico to go come to America and to work so that way she could save money in order to bring him over mm. um but one thing led to another and they got disconnected and so this kid was like you know what and he was getting like abused by his father okay so he was like i'm out so he runs away from home he's like i don't know eight nine ten years old and it's the story about him basically trying to cross the border to try and find his mom in california somewhere mm-hmm. so finally um he he like he goes to the border and he finds somebody who will smuggle him uh, in a van. And so they have this compartment in the van with a seat that lifts up. And then they, the, the, the van gets confiscated. Mm-hmm. And the kid is stuck in like this sweltering hot box of a van. Oh, no. Like stuck. So finally he gets out. He escapes. He get, finds his way all the way to California. He goes through all this stuff. And then at the end of the movie, his mom is at the corner of the street. Because he calls her like, I don't know, somehow, some way he calls her and says, hey, I'm going to be here at this time, whatever. And so you got this buildup and it's like emotional. Mm-hmm. And she's at the corner. He's at the corner. And then the light turns to the to the walking uh, sign mm-hmm. and the movie stops. Oh, so I you hate don't even so get much. to see them like reunite, <laughs> oh, hug. My like God I was already so. getting like I was already getting like emotional, like watching it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking lose it. And then it stopped. And I was like. I've never seen anybody. I've never experienced a complete 180 from like emotional to just rage in <laughs> such a short amount of time. I have never related to you more on something than this because I cannot stand. I get it. It's like a cinematography, like a writer's. Like, I, it's a style, whatever. I don't care mm. what excuse you want to call yeah. it or tell me. It's BS. Like it's, it's your job to put a bow on it for me. I need closure. I, yes. I need closure. I'm very. I don't much want that to way. imagine yes. in my brain no. what happened at the end of this movie. I want you to show me. No, in my I, mind, she got hit by a drunk driver speeding through a red light. Yes. Like, no, it could have happened. I'm like, please don't do this to me. And when movies do it, I'm just oh, like, yeah. it makes me so like angry. Like the Sopranos. Like the end of Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I will say this. I would. I I want to see it. I need to, I would need to see how it's handled because the way you're describing it, obviously it sounds bad, but I I would want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Sure, sure. I want to see uh, it. I'll find you the know name of the movie. Okay. movie. It, it's something uh, like like once over a moon or something like that. Okay. It, and it's 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 subtitled, mm. and I don't really watch subtitled movies often. Okay. But this was such a good. It was a really good movie, mm. and this ending just destroyed <laughs> me. If you're not watching movies and shows with subtitles, you are missing out on some amazing content. Squid Game. Let me just say that. Like, yeah, there I have watched not dubs. Yes, exactly. I've watched so many more movies recently and shows that are subtitled that I never would have considered watching. You know, it kind of started in the pandemic for me when I kind of started doing that more. Mm. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. Because it's so yeah. good. Yeah, it, it is. There's so much good content out there. And I I mean, I'm the dude that watches like Netflix, like with subtitles anyway. So Same. like, Same. 
Because I, I feel like I can't hear half the time. Right. <laughs> 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 we got eighty year old woman Lindsay. So I grew up in a in a deaf household, and yeah. so my parents are deaf, so we always had closed captioning on. Mm. So. Like when I didn't live with my parents anymore, I was like, oh, thank God, no more cap closed captioning. But it now takes you're up like, no, screen. I need that. No, but now my fiance loves to watch the <laughs> oh. shows with the closed captioning yeah. on. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, I thought I was done with this portion of my life. You know, like, oh. See, I'm just like used to it. Like the screen Same. feels naked without it now. It's mm -hmm. weird. But um, Lindsay, we should wrap up with Dune. What would you give it out of 10? Out of 10, uh, what was it, Phoenixes that we're doing for G-Rated, I think? 10 Nucks. Um, 10 Nucks, that's it. <laughs> I don't think I'll give it 10. Mm -hmm. I think overall, depending on how they do the second movie, it could be like a <laughs> solid 8 or 9. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this one, I'll just say like 6.8. 6.8, wow. Is that okay. a high or is that low? No, that's low. I, just, I mean, it's not low, but because it's... it's there wasn't a lot of action in the movie. It mm. got you hooked. So mm. it did its job of getting you hooked. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, that movie was great. When you walk away feeling like pumped for the next movie, it's more just like, all right, I committed two and a half hours now. I just need to know how this ends. OK, but I think the second movie will have a lot more action and be really, really good. I, I Yeah, I think depending on how they wrap up everything in the sequel, that could bump it up for me, like maybe half half a a letter score What's or whatever but uh, i'd go with an eight okay. with with the potential to go 8.5 depending on how they wrap okay. it up because I, I do feel like it lays a lot of impressive groundwork for you know a lot of people coming into this not knowing what the hell this story's mm -hmm. about um so i'd, I'd go 8.5 out of 10 or okay. 8 out of 10 8 out of 10, mm -hmm. potential to be 8.5. Mm -hmm. I'm 6.8 with the potential to be somewhere between an 8 and a 9. Okay. I think. All right. We can live with so that. So we're like, yeah. we're similar. <laughs> we're just, it, a lot of it's relying on the second movie here. Yep. I guess we'll find out in three years, two years. <laughs> two years. Only two, <laughs> thankfully. We will check back in with you guys October of 2023. Yes. Until then, we will see you guys on the next episode of the PHNX Suns podcast. I'm Lindsay Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. That's Gerald Bourget. You can follow him on Twitter at Gerald Bourget. And our cameo visitor, <laughs> Saul Bookman. You can follow him on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. And, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore Suns. Please rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate your support. Have a great day. We'll see you later.